Hello, I'm John Ellis, and welcome to episode 15 of Pitodri PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and juniors, and not just football, but any sport making headlines in the Northeast of Scotland and featuring someone from the Northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey, as always, Dave McDermott and Andrew Shining. So here we are recording this episode on the morning of Tuesday, 16th November. The Dons with no game uh, for the first team this past weekend because of the international break, of course. So let's turn our attentions to that one first off. A strange sensation watching this game against Moldova, Andrew, because it never really felt like we were in too much danger. At times it looked a little bit like shooty in, I thought. I mean, okay, we, we couldn't completely unjackle ourselves from traditional Scottish performances. There were a few heart and mouth moment, point blank saves and block penalties. But coming up to the final whistle, it was more like a sprinter easing off the gas than, than leaning for the tape. It's hard to get used to, isn't it? Yes and no. Um, yes, because it's Scotland. But no, um, that was the fifth consecutive uh, competitive win that Scotland had had and the momentum was building and you, and you did feel that uh, a performance like that was in the offing. You have to take into account the quality of the opposition. Moldova aren't a strong side at all. They're, they're nowhere near the level that Scotland are, never mind some of the others that we've, we've been playing recently. But um, it was an encouraging performance in as much as from the word go, um, we were on the front foot. Yes, there was a disallowed goal and the keeper made a few saves and you start to think, oh dear, it's going to be another one of those nights. But um, no, Scotland were good in that game and nobody could quibble uh, with the 2-0 scoreline other than to say it should have been more than two. Yeah, my my favourite tweet after that was, they think it's Moldova, she's now. (laughs) Anyway, anything to add, Dave? Only... That say for the first 20 minutes, there was slight, oh, here we go again, because we had the goal disallowed and it was rightly disallowed uh, for offside. But uh, their keeper made a couple of saves and you thought, could it be one of those nights? But that aside, it was very, very comfortable. And like you, the longer the game went on, the, the more you, you know, especially after the penalty save, um, yeah. that, that you thought there's just one outcome. And that's so it proved. After that Moldova result, the Denmark game was always going to be a free hit in so much as it didn't really make too much difference to things, possibly our seeding for the players, but not the outcome of the group. So like I say, a free hit, if you like. Uh, if Denmark had adopted that approach, they could have been sending out the under-15 since about halfway through qualification. Um, what did you make of this one, Dave? I think we're a lot better side than a lot of the fans realised you know, when we click. Steve Clark's got something going there, and another win against a very good quality side who, believe you and me, they wanted to win that one to keep up their their record in the in the group. But uh, on the night, we just uh, were the better side, and they thoroughly deserved the win. And again, just shows what a difference when fans are back in matches yeah, such yeah. as as that, because it was a real hand and roar to to get them over the finish line. Uh, I was actually in a, a Zoom meeting. The tennis AGM, which I had my iPad on with the football with the sound down. And of course, when the first goal went in, I was, I think we we're talking about court fees for next year. And my reaction was not quite what folk were expecting for increasing court fees for Yay! 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the the I one I was I was uh, missing it for for other reasons, uh, homework being one of them. But I was sitting there with my my little girl on one side doing maths, and on the other side I had my phone open, and I was watching the tweets coming in. 
Uh, and I saw one from you, Andrew, saying, I think it was something like that's the best half of football I've seen Scotland play in a generation, something along those lines. In decades. In decades. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the first 45 was everything you could wish from a Scotland team. Uh, on the front foot, um, looking dangerous when they attacked, solid at the back, fighting for every ball, playing with a lot of skill, a lot of passion. It was fantastic. And second half, maybe not quite so much. You knew that De uh, Denmark were going to have the periods when they were going to enjoy a lot of possession. But when you looked at the possession, it was all in you know the front two thirds of the of the pitch. It wasn't in Scotland's final uh, third. So Craig Gordon, one brilliant save from a header, which was offside anyhow, uh, apart, um, didn't really have an awful lot to do. And that is credit to the not just the defenders in front of him, but the whole team. Because make no mistake, this was a whole team performance. Yes, there were outstanding individuals, but nobody could have been getting less than eight out of ten for that performance. Um, che Adams up front, I was absolutely delighted that he got the second goal because I thought he gave a masterclass in how to lead the line as a stone striker against very good defenders, it has to be said. Um, and, you know... You, you can't praise Scotland highly enough. And I was also delighted for John Souter because he has gone through absolute hell in terms yeah. of injuries to come back from two ruptured Achilles tendons to get back into the Scotland team, to score the goal. Absolutely brilliant. And he's a kind of northeast boy. Uh, he's from Lother Muir. This was um, the other tweet that and, I saw. And then, then you had Scott McKenna came on. So Kerry Muir was being um, represented. <laughs> and Hazelhead Academy in the form of Stuart Armstrong as well. So uh, although there was no Aberdeen players on the pitch, there was a good Northeast connection there. And uh, it was just a fantastic evening. And it, it sort of rekindled the joy of watching Scotland and following Scotland once again. Because for too long, it's been Scotland game. Ah, who cares? Um, yeah. or you, you had to watch it from behind the sofa because you were yeah. terrified of what was going to happen. And we've had so many uh, really poor performances. But as Dave said, Steve Clark has got something going there. It looks like a club side. Everybody plays for each other. And now that you've got 50,000 at hand and backing them, I'll tell you, when that draw for the playoff is made, Everybody who is in the unseeded pot who's got the chance of going to Hamden will be saying, no thanks, we do not want Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're, you're talking about um, it's the first time in ages that you've, you've been able to watch them and enjoy them. I, I was sitting there last night after the game and I thought, you know, growing up, as I did, you took for granted the fact that Scotland would be at the World Cup. The thing was, will we get past the first round? That was always the hurdle. Will we get, will we get out of the group stages and into the knockouts? And you took for granted that we would be there. And then ever since 98, you know, like my boy's entire lifetime, all I've ever wanted is to sit down and watch a World Cup where his home nation would be in it. And and now for for the for the for the first time in a in, in his entire lifetime, there's a chance that we might, just so you could sit him down and say, look, this is what it's like. This is how it feels, this is how it looks when your team is playing at a World Cup. And, and you know, there's no guarantee of that, but it's closer than we've been in a long time. So here's broadly speaking what happens now, if I, as I understand it. And frankly, um, you know, I don't. So I'm just going verbatim with something that I've read up in the system. 
The 10 runners up from the qualifying groups are joined by two group winners from the 2020-2021 Nations League. And those 12 teams are split into three playoff paths. Now, each of these contain four teams who will all play two one-leg semifinals on the 24th and 25th of March and a final on the 28th, 29th of March. The three winners of those finals will qualify for the World Cup in Qatar. Now, as a group stands, Scotland are seeded uh, for the semifinals, meaning they'll play at Hamden for their one-off match against one of the six non-seeded nations. Non-seeded, by the way, does not necessarily mean that we're higher rated than them in the world standings. And if Scotland negotiate that hurdle, they then face the winners of the other semi-final in the group. The venue for that do-or-die showdown decided by a draw. Still far from secure a path to the finals, Andrew. I don't just mean the way I explained the last part of qualification, but some of the teams we could potentially meet are more than fairly capable, aren't they? Anyone that you'd be desperate to avoid? At the moment, no. I think, uh, as I say, everybody will be keen to avoid Scotland. Um, I think looking at it, there's a possibility of playing Wales. Now, Wales rely heavily on Gareth Bale, but like Scotland, are akin to a club side. And I don't think you'd really want to be playing Wales um, because they've got the same as Scotland have got, but they have the, the X factor. They've got Gareth Bale, who yeah. can win a game single-handedly. Um, I think you're, you're looking at Turkey, Finland you'd probably quite fancy your chances against either of them. Austria, who are one of the Nations League uh, qualifiers, we've beaten them. We drew with them at Hamden, but we'll beat them in Vienna. Um, the Czech Republic, and I think it's the other uh, Nations League winner. I don't think Scotland will be overly worried. I saw a lovely tweet, I think it was yesterday. Football now is when the club calendar gets in the road of the international fixtures, whereas we always used to say, oh, it's an international break, this breaking up the club fixture list. <laughs> now you're looking at it, I can't wait for the next international to come around. And Steve Clark will be, it'll be a bittersweet kind of um, feeling for him because I'll bet he, won, he would love to play the, the uh, playoff game next Wednesday yeah. in front of a full handing, um, rather than have to wait, as you say, all the way through till March. Um, but uh, I don't think Scotland will fear anyone, particularly because they're at home, because they've got a real role going and they will fancy their chances against anyone. You see, this is the difference when you've watched the match last night, David, you've watched it from start to finish. Andrew's obviously enthusiastic about it. Is there any team with a sort of sense of realism that you prefer to avoid? Yeah, no, I totally agree with Andrew. I mean, Wales is... You know, not what a team you would want because they've got a really good recent record in the competitions and are very similar in terms of the the, the fact that they play as a, like a club team rather than a national team. And Gareth Bale is a world class player, despite what those in Madrid think of him. But they, um, you know, so again at Hamden with that atmosphere, again you're thinking, bring it on, no matter who it is. All to come and to look forward to, at least it can't be Denmark again. Well, unless we, we get to the group stages and then, well, let's not worry about that at this stage. Okay, on to the Dons and uh, following a few highs, a crashing thump and back down to earth last time against Motherwell. I suppose uh, the one thing an international break buys you is a bit of time. So the last thing you want if you're on a great run 
but handy in the circumstance of you needing to regroup and possibly get a few more injuries closer to returning. So first things first, Andrew, any word on, on anything like that? I mean, either injured players being closer to returning or uh, those out in international due to picking up knocks whilst they were now likely unavailable for the weekend. The guys who were on international duty, Lewis Ferguson, seemed to be walking around fine um, after uh, training with Scotland for a few days. Um, he was walking around fine at, at Hamden uh, last night. Uh, he didn't play, obviously, so he's going to be fine. Likewise, Niall McGinn. And have got to make mention of uh, Northern Ireland. That was a fantastic result that they got against uh, Italy last night, uh, getting a nil-nil draw, which now means that Italy have got to go into a playoff. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, Italy expect to be one of the automatic qualifiers, but no. And this just sums up the, you know, the strength of European football. And uh, really, there should be more qualifiers out of the 32 than just 13 coming from Europe uh, because of the relative strengths of, of some of the other nations. But, um, no, I think uh, in terms of injuries for Aberdeen, I think Calvin Ramsey would be the, the player possibly that you're looking to to be likeliest to come back from injury. Um, Michael Devlin has been involved in training. I don't know whether he's been involved in full contact training as yet, uh, but he's been out for so long that I can't see him being just thrown in at the deep end at Tannadice on Saturday, um, straight off the back of a few training sessions. Um, so Ramsey, I think, would be the, the one that Stephen Glass would be hoping he could call on. And... His presence would make a big difference to Aberdeen. His attacking threats up and down the right-hand side, um, like uh, Nathan Patterson showed for, for Scotland against Moldova. Um, Calvin Ramsey, very similar type player. Stronger on his left foot than Patterson is, although that was a fine finish from yeah. the young Rangers throwback <laughs> with his weaker one. foot. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I don't foresee there being big changes in terms of personnel for Aberdeen uh, on Saturday. What the big change we'll want to see is better defensively, more clinical up top and winning. Yeah, I, I think last time we spoke, Dave, the assessment of the mother match was not that we'd return completely to the form of that sort of horror 10-game run, but that we played all right that first half. And then the second, let a couple of defensive errors creep in and didn't compete and fight as strongly as we should have. Uh, Stephen was critical of us not taking any of the chances we created in that first half either. The point is, it wasn't all for nothing. Um, more sort of two steps forward, one back, and, you know, get up and go again with with more resolve, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, Dundee United, are they can blow hot and cold and you just don't know what you're, you're going to get with them. So... Uh, I'm quite confident about uh, Saturday's game. We a good crowd, it'll be a great atmosphere. It's one of the, the favourites for the Aberdeen fans to away days at Tannadice, and we certainly missed them when United were uh, in the Championship. So, no, uh, it's be good after the excitement of two international victories. It'll be good to get back to uh, uh, club football again and uh, hopefully get three points. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the Hamden Roar being so important, Andrew. Dundee United away, we, we spoke of taking that big travelling support down there. In many ways, it'll feel like a home match. Another shed gotten red. Um, that'll be a bonus, and, and potentially not a game where you'd expect defences to necessarily be on top. I don't think it's the shed that we're getting this time. I think Is we're getting not? the no. I think we're getting the fair play stand and the 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 main stand at at Tannery. So you're getting one complete side of the ground. Oh, how the hell um, was supposed to make that rhyme? Right, give me, oh, give well, me a couple exactly. of minutes. Uh, right. I know the, the Jim McLean <laughs> fair play stand, the, the the little bits and pieces that there are um, on <laughs> there. But uh, 
No, the, the Dons fans will make a lot of noise. There's no question at all about that. And that will lift the spirits of the, of the team. But they know that they've got to be better than they were against Motherwell. And as Dave said, United have been pretty good for the most part this season. Uh, but they did ship five goals last time out against Hearts. So they're not coming into the game full of confidence. But from what I've seen of them in recent weeks, they're playing some pretty decent football. So I would expect there to be goals in the game from both sides, hopefully. Yeah, who's going to be important for the Dons in this one? And and who will we have to be wary of, Dave? In terms of who have to be wary of, I think uh, their former teammate, Peter Pollitt, is playing very well just now. Um, Peter, you know, not, not quite in the flush of youth that you always think he is because he's got Peter Pan looks, uh, Peter P, uh, both PP, uh, of course. And, uh, but... Uh, He's, he's playing well. He'll have to be watched. As far as we're concerned, I mean, you're looking for Ramirez to hit the gold trail again, hopefully with a bit of support from Marley Watkins, who, we've said it before, on his day can make the difference. You know, and on a smaller scale, he's he's our Gareth Bale in terms of being able to change change games. So, no, it should be a good one. Last episode, I got you to, to hold off on, on score predictions uh, for this one. We'll take them now. Dundee United versus Aberdeen. Dave? 2-1 Aberdeen. Andrew? I was going to go for that as well, but I think there might be more goals in it. So possibly even a 3-2 Aberdeen, um, because I think, uh, you know, both sides will attack um, because that is their, their strongest weapon. Uh, and uh, there's, I mean, you've got to look at Nicky Clark and the Dundee United side as well. Another former Don, um, a very skillful player. Um, Ryan Hedges for Aberdeen has got the wherewithal to unlock, unlock any defence. Uh, so I'm expecting an exciting game. So um, just to be different from Dave, I'll go 3-2 rather than go 1-0 because that sounds boring. I'm going to say 3-1 then. Uh, now, a hastily scheduled match for the under-18s this week with Motherwell, the hosts, uh, as Andrew made his way to a school in Lanarkshire to watch the team. Was it, this was around the same time as the Scotland match, Andrew, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it kicked off, I think, just around half-time in the Scotland game. So um, having endured a, a bit of a around the houses bus journey um, to get there. We, we arrived pretty late, about 40 minutes before kick-off, but um, it wasn't a great performance from uh, the young Dons. Unfortunately, they were caught cold by a, a strong Motherwell side in a very, very tight pitch. Um, it's a pitch that's fully 10 yards narrower than Cormac Park, which they're used to playing on. And... I mean, to be perfectly honest, I was thinking it didn't have great floodlights either. And I, I was thinking when I was there, really, the SBFL uh, or whoever it is that runs the Club Academy Scotland Under-18 League really have to have better criteria for the, the, the grounds that are getting used for these games. Um, but that wasn't an excuse for the Aberdeen performance. They were slack in defence. They conceded a penalty after 35 seconds yeah. um, and it was self-inflicted. The second goal, a poor pass in midfield, picked up, bang, goal. Third goal, keeper comes, uh, flies out to, to punch a, a cross behind, a cross that was going nowhere near his goal, really, um, from the corner. Um, Motherwell make it 3-0. We got straight back into the game 3-1 and you thought, well, if we can get the next goal, who knows, we could make a game of it because it was it was end-to-end stuff, but Motherwell were the stronger in every department, it has to be said. But then, early in the second half, another couple of goals from Motherwell, it's 5-1, and you're thinking, 
is damage limitation now. But full credit to the boys. Liam Harvey scored an absolute blockbuster of a goal from about 30 yards uh, immediately after it went to 5-1, so 5-2. Aberdeen created a few other chances but couldn't put them away until four minutes from time they got a third goal. So it wasn't a good night. Um, but I think as, as Barry Robson will tell us, you know, it's a part of the learning experience for the boys. Three goals for the home side in the first half an hour. A match that ended 5-3 after the game on the bus home. Barry Robson, pragmatic. Frustrating night. Didn't think it defended well at all. Um, a lot of individual errors, but that's what happens sometimes when the boys are at this age and um, we're trying to teach them a brand that we try and press the game, play quite high, so you could see there was mistakes in there for them, but they'll learn. It's individual errors, I think. We were a goal down within 15 seconds, so and then Motherwell on the front foot, tight pitch, that's so tough. Everything suits the way Motherwell want to play, so we'll learn how to deal with that and play against that. So the boys will learn a lot for that. Now, for the AFC women's team, no match this weekend after what's been a relatively tough spell. They have, however, appointed an assistant coach in the form of Claire Garrett, who works in a day-to-day capacity with the Community Trust. So she'll be moving a camp bed into the boot room pretty soon at this rate. The team, uh, like their male counterparts, Probably quite wel- welcoming of the break at this stage, Dave, ahead of another tough one next weekend away to Celtic. Uh, a good appointment in Clare? Yeah, delighted for Clare. Uh, she's been with the club and Goose to Trust for a good number of years and uh, played at a good level herself and uh, been coaching for the last few years. So, no, great appointment. And she obviously knows Emma inside out and Emma knows Clare inside because they work together during the day now football as well so uh, they'll probably be sick of the sight of each other very soon <laughs> <laughs> uh, but from a you know a management team of of well two then one now back up to three so you know it's uh, all, all bodes well uh, on to Cove Rangers and Peter Head because it's one of the few weekends in the season where their paths have collided a local derby at Balmoral Stadium on Saturday past I think Peter Head edged an earlier encounter this year at Balmoral but coming into this one Cove with the Superior League standing for the season so far. They were on third on 22 points. Uh, Peter Head, third from bottom on 14. But it is a very tight league, one where every team is capable of beating each other on their day. In this one, though, it ended 3-0 for Cove, two goals for Mitch Meganson and a first the season for Ryan Strachan. From what I can tell, Dave, almost entirely one-way traffic for the duration. Yeah, it could have been uh, five or six by half time, And even Jim McNally at the end admitted it, that Peter Head were lucky to get away with a 3-0 deficit. It was a great performance from Cove uh, from first whistle to last. Uh, although um, Jamie Masson was named the sponsor's man of the match, I think most people agreed that Mitch Meganson was very unlucky not to get it. In fact, it was Chris Hunter, who uh, ex-Highland League player who's uh, from the Broch, who also uh, named Jamie Masson from the Broch as man of the match. So... It was a wee bit of, uh, and apparently the rest of his rest of his party were uh, were had voted for Mitch, but because he was the host, he decided to have a casting vote. So, uh, and he, even funnier was apparently when Jamie got substituted, Chris Hunter was heard to shout, "You're you're absolutely crap, <laughs> Masson." So that was his man of the match. So nothing untoward about it. But Jamie did have a very good game as well. But it does augur well for Cole because, um, you know that that's they've been. Getting results, but not playing anything like as good as we know they can. But that was a, a really good performance. Crowd was just under a thousand, which was great as well. Um, so you know, some much needed coffers back into into the club as well. But 
got a tricky one this weekend away to Airdrie. So that's top. Uh, one point clear, one point clear to Cove in second. So that, that's a big one. And to be honest, I think Paul Hartley will probably take a share of spoils in that one. Yeah. And then the, they've got the uh, the cup game as well, not that far away. Yeah, I guess. Cup games. Yeah. Queen of the South at home uh, a week on Saturday, which no fans there are chances. I mean, it's, it's a, a free hit, really. Yeah. And then Ranger Gee the following Tuesday in the SPFL Trust. Uh, quarterfinal. Yeah. So yeah. another great chance to get through to the last four in that one. But the Highland League teams a break from league duty to take part in the GPH Builders Merchants Highland League Cup. That's not going to fit a t-shirt, is it? Uh, 3-0 wins for Bucky Thistle and Brora seeing off Nairn and Wick respectively. Tighter wins for Clach and Inverurie Locos progressing at the expense of Strasbury Thistle and Huntley. Rothis defeated Devon Vale picking up a 4-2 away win. Brechin scored 5 without reply against Vermont United. Uh, Forrest edged out Tariff 2-1 and Fraserburgh walloped Keith 4-1 away in the juniors, Dave. Yeah, well, thanks to the um, we're had a league game, believe it or not. Last week I said that they'd, they'd only it was their ninth league game. Most of the other teams have played 16-17. So, but uh, Banks D won 8-0 at Ellen and uh, they're still at 100% record. But again, uh, tomorrow night, they're away to Keith in the Aberdeenshire. And then on Saturday, they're away to Bridget on Thistle in the in the Super League. So lots. I spoke to Jamie Watt at the weekend, the co-manager, and Jamie was saying, that, you know, it's it's just the um, the stretch on their squad. That's why they've, they've got a big squad because they're going to need it. And he was still spitting blood about the defeat at Lockheed United. Uh, like I suggested a few weeks ago, they could go all the way in the Scottish Cup. Jamie firmly believed that they had the wherewithal. But if you remember the Saturday before last, the wind, particularly down in the, because Paul Hartley was saying they were playing with draws in the Tayside area. It was just horrendous conditions. And they, uh, According to Jamie, it was a very soft goal. They lost, and uh, you know, so he's, he's really annoyed that they're out of that. But they're concentrating on the Super League and uh, with the pyramid system. There again, it's a bit like the playoffs in the in the World Cup. Nobody really understands what's going to happen <laughs> in the playoffs, and Jamie doesn't understand either. Um, but uh, they're still hoping to get up to the Highland League, and you know, we've seen by the results they've had against Highland yeah. League clubs. If yeah. they can keep their squad, and, and that'll be the trick because I mean, I'll, you know, there are players who play in the juniors that are too good for the juniors, to be honest, but don't want all the travelling that's associated with the, the Highland League. So, but uh, it'll be interesting. But um, no, nah, I, I fully expect them to, uh, Banks D, to win the Super League. And I think all the other clubs expect them as well, despite the fact they've got a horrendous amount of games in hand. But uh, that, that was that was the main. I mean, the Rothy Rovers in, in League Two, they, they won comfortably at home to Isla Vale to, uh, to consolidate their position at the top of the league there. Yeah, when you say uh, Banksy were, were playing one of their, their first, or I think it was their eighth, was it you said, uh, league game? Ninth. ninth. Was, was that for this season, Dave, or was that 1819 yeah. or 2020? <laughs> 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 indoor bowling. Here we go. I think it's the first time ever had indoor bowling. And Geary Indoor Bowling Club recorded their opening win in the National Indoor Leagues with a convincing victory at Stonehaven. And former world under-25 indoor champion Jason Banks believes they have a good chance of enjoying a strong season after not playing at all for 18 months. Here's hoping, you know, when I guess looking at the, the rest of the fixtures, we'll, we'll just have to see see how we get on. But I think every game so sort of winnable for us. So we're, we'll just have to try and go in and take it game game by game and see, see where we get to, you know. There you go, Dave. I didn't even know we had an indoor bowling former world under-25 champion in, uh, in Giri. 
Yeah, it was as recently as uh, 2017 or 2018 that uh, Jason won that. And uh, they've got a number, Giri Indoor Bowling Centre, of a number of youngsters who are competing for their country. Um, right. Carla, Jason's sister, is uh, hopeful that she'll be picked for the Commonwealth Games Scotland squad for next year. And, uh, you know, speaking to the youngsters, and I, obviously at my advanced years, I consider Jason very much a youngster. And, you know, he's been to likes of New Zealand bowling, you know, so great, you know, great opportunity to see the world. But again, so many sports, the lights hidden under the bushel, you know, you don't know. And I'm sure people in Inverurie wouldn't know that uh, Jason's the world world under 25 champion, but it's a tremendous achievement. So, um, you know, if you want a sport that keeps you indoors, play indoor bowling and uh, you could see the world. Yeah, that is pretty much it for episode 15 of Pitodri PS. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can, always looking back to the Don's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well. We'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Pitodri PS. We'll see you next time.